0: We've been talking about uh, making room, making room for visitors, making room for guests, making room for company to be coming among us. And uh, um, our good friend, uh, the Apostle Paul, in his uh, book to the Philippians, starting with the 8th chapter, 8th verse of the 4th chapter, reminds us of the things that help us get decluttered. When stuff gets in our head and in our heart that gets in the way of connecting with the things that God would have us do, He makes it pretty simple for us right here in the last chapter of Philippians. He writes, Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellence and if it is anything worthy of praise, Focus on these things. Keep doing these things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the peace of God will always be with you. Paul says, declutter except for those things. Will you pray for me? Or with me and for me. (laughs) Gracious God, we simply ask that the words of my mouth the meditation of all of our hearts would be measured and found acceptable in Thy sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Bridget and I have this ritual that we go through whenever her parents or my parent, my dad, is and my brother are coming to visit. Maybe you have this ritual in your house. We pray first, <laughs> make sure that you know that everything's still standing. But after the prayer, we uh, we start to go through the house. There's special towels that come out for the guest bathroom. There's clean sheets that come out and go on the guest bed. We take special attention to the guest bathroom and make sure that it is especially clean and ready to go. And then we go around and take care of all the piles. Does anyone else have piles in their house? Yes. We operate out of a pile management system over at the Nelson House and um, we go through the piles one by one to the coffee table where the mail sits, to the um, dining room table where all my stuff sits, to the office where the rest of my stuff sits, to the um, basement where all the kids' stuff sits, and we begin to put all the stuff that's in its piles back into its place and begin to make decisions about what things are worth keeping and what things are worth getting rid of. We have a special list of things we go and buy, depending on which parent is coming. If Bridget's parents are coming, we get stocked up on coffee. She and I don't drink coffee, so we never have it in the house, except when her parents are coming, we go and get it. Why do we go get those special things? Why do we do all that special work? Because we do something intentional when visitors are coming. When you're expecting guests, you do something to make sure that the house is ready for them to come. You get your house in order. You take care of the clutter. Linda, the day's coming. It's almost done. She's been working on this kitchen for a couple of months. I just saw her look at Tony like, let's get this house in order, brother. We're working on it. We're praying with you. Um, clutter. Anyone else have a clutter problem? <laughs> Willing to admit it? I love this church. She'll be like, that's me, Pastor. First step is admitting. Remember, that was back at Lent, right? You can't, can't do nothing if you don't don't admit it. Clutter. Those piles everywhere, piles of mail all over the place. And let's admit it, it seems like the more and more stuff that shows up in our mailbox is simply clutter. You notice that? You'll have 12 pieces of mail and only one of them is really to you. The rest of it's clutter. Your inbox of your um, email system can get cluttered pretty quick, right? There's nothing like opening it up one day and finding 72 emails in it, and you're like, I'm just not looking at any of them today right? The clutter, it stops you from taking a look at what's in there. Clutter all over the place. How about inundated with the noise? Clutter everywhere you go. It seems like somebody's trying to get you to buy something somewhere going through your head. Buy this, buy that, get this, get that. The other day I was at the um, gas pump and I put the, I'm paying to pump gas into my car and I put the pump in, I hit the thing and all of a sudden it's like, please stop inside and make sure you buy our special soda and hot dog deal. And I'm like, what is going on here? I'm They have like captive, I'm already like paying like my children's education into the van and they're trying to get me to buy a hot. I mean the clutter it gets in our brain and in our mind. You can't go anywhere where they uh aren't trying to get the clutter inside of all of our um all of our places our Homes and our lives are filled with clutter. We have piles in the corners and in the closets. And think about what we are doing now to try to maintain all of the stuff, all of the clutter, all of the big. Th- I should have preached this right before rummage, but I'll plan it out better next time. Right? Someone else was thinking that this would have been a better sermon last week, Pastor. I- I'll get there. Um, there's a new thing that's been happening uh, since 1970. Before 1970, there was hardly any of these things around. And now there's 45,000 of them that dot the countryside, taking up over 2 billion square feet of space. Storage units. Before 1970, there was hardly ever a thing called a storage unit. Now there's 45,000 storage units that dot the United States of America, taking up over 2 billion square feet of space. The investment in the monthly upkeep of the rental property quickly begins to outvalue all of the uh, value that's inside the rental space. Clutter. Clutter gets into our lives, and it really does have an effect. These are some of the effects of clutter. Clutter can clog the smooth workings of any home. You know, Think of some of the things that happen. Time. Clutter helps you lose time. We have an endless search every morning for three things. My keys, my wallet, and my cell phone. Right? So last night we created a spot where they're going to try to be every night before we go to bed so that we can save those amount of times. Anyone else lose time on a consistent basis looking for things because you can't find it underneath the clutter. How about this one? Has anybody ever had to play uh, on the cluttered desk the uh, hide the credit card statement game? Right? That it's here somewhere and it's tucked underneath some pile or you lost it and by the time you found it, you already found you were late, right? Somebody's, I love this church, be like, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. It costs us time, it can cost us money. How about this one? Have you ever uh, lost something in the clutter and so you went and bought it again? <laughs> and then what happens? You find it, right. And then what do you do? You bring the old one to rummage, right? <laughs> it kind of works in that cycle. Clutter gets in the way of all the things that uh, that we do. Clutter can also affect us spiritually. As Paul was saying to us in the letter to Ephesians, there's all these things going through our head. And Paul says at the end of the day, it can begin to block out those things that you should focus on and you should be thinking about. We had signs up all around here when we came in this morning, stubbornness and pride and envy and shyness and all these different kind of pieces of clutter. Don, what did you say when I saw what you saw? Don said he saw his name on every sign this morning, right? I mean, the clutter gets in our head and in our mind. And didn't you actually feel better when Scott and Cody came up here and cleared all that stuff out of here? Weren't you like, whew, wow, that feels better. I can worship this morning. I mean, part of it was intentional at the beginning to get you saying, why does the pastor put that mess up there? The pastor puts that mess up there so when somebody comes and cleans it, you say, oh, wow, that just feels a lot better. Paul says, focus on these things. Begin to clear the clutter out of your mind. Clutter can keep us from following Jesus more honestly and more freely. Think about that time that that young man came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, what do I got to do in order to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, just you know, declutter your life. Take all your extra stuff to rummage and then come and follow Me. And the young man walked away because he wasn't sure he knew how to begin to declutter his life. All the stuff, all the clutter, all the uh, possessions began to get in the way of his ability to follow Jesus. He couldn't let go of the stuff. His life had become too cluttered. We've been talking about hospitality over here the last few weeks, and clutter, clutter gets in the way of that as well. It makes you less likely to invite somebody over to your house. I know we say that once in a while. Boy, I'd sure like to have them over, but boy, the place is a mess. Right? Jesse's laughing like, yeah... I get that, right? I mean, it it gets in the way of hospitality. Clutter leaves an impression. impression that you're not ready for visitors. So, Jesus wanted to help the church clear out its clutter. It's one of those famous stories in the New Testament. It's Jesus walks into temple in Jerusalem on the beginning of what we now call Holy Week. And I remember he walked into the narthex of the temple and what did he find? He found clutter everywhere, right? He came to go to church that day and there was everything in the narthex and he walked up to the tables, the pigeon table and the money changers table and what did he do? He flipped them over. He said, get this clutter out of my house. It's getting in the way. My house is to be a prayer place for all people. And when there's too much clutter, there's not enough room for people to get this stuff out of here. And he said, this place is a place of prayer for all people and is turned into a den of thieves. You see, Jesus flipped over two tables and he picked out the two tables that he did on purpose. He flipped over the pigeon table. What do you know about the pigeon table? You see, at the temple, people were bringing their sacrifices to Jesus. And they were bringing their goats and their um, cows and the things that they would make. They weren't making sacrifices to Jesus, but making sacrifices to God. That's how they did that. They brought their best stuff. And if you were too poor to have livestock, you could bring a pigeon. And so what would happen is the poorest of the poor would bring their pigeons in to the temple. And if they didn't have a pigeon to bring, somebody would... Sell them one. So that became a system that was keeping those who most needed God's grace from receiving it. So Jesus said, we got to get the clutter. we got to get the stuff. And He's saying it's not just the physical stuff. It was the spiritual stuff out of the way as well. It's physical clutter and it's emotional clutter all at the same time. He says, I need to remind my church why it exists in the first place. My house is a place of prayer for all people. And if there's stuff or attitudes in the way, then I'm going to come in and flip them over. Because maybe then my church will remember that it needs to clean up its mess in order to make room for new people. Gene's like, that's a new approach for the trustees. We're just going to start flipping stuff over. Starting with the pastor's office. Boom! Flipping things over. Can I be honest with you for a moment? If you read the Bible, God's a bit ambivalent about buildings. He's a bit ambivalent about them. In fact, in the whole better part of the Old Testament, God doesn't live in a building, He stays in a tent. Whenever the people gathered, God set up a tent outside the place so he could pick up that tent and be on the move with them. God said, you know, I operate better out of a tent. But there came a time as the people of Israel grow and they wanted to become more stable and more institutionalized, so they went ahead and began to build temples and then synagogues. And God always warned them, he says, I get it. I get it, then that's good, but just don't forget what the building exists for. He says, I'm afraid that at some point you'll forget that the building is an object of ministry and not an object of worship. Worship the God whose presence is in the building, but not the building itself. God always worries when His people take on buildings. He says, if you have a building... Have a building. Make sure that it doesn't take up all your resources. Make sure that your building is as such so that you don't spend all your time trying to figure out how to maintain the building, but how your building becomes a center of mission and ministry in the world. Try to balance mortar and mission together, God says. And he also brought folks into the building and said, you know, if you, it's interesting. If you open up the, um, the first chapter, or First Kings, the sixth chapter, what you basically read is a blueprint of how they're going to build the temple. Solomon's about to build the temple. And it's one of those things when you're reading the Bible through and through, you go, why is this thing in the Bible, right? It's one of those things you kind of like skip over really fast because it's all this detail about the building. He says, if you're going to build the building, and it goes into all these little details, make sure there's this kind of wood at the front, and make sure there's this kind of statues out front, and make sure that there has this much space and this much clarity. God goes out of his way to say that if you're going to have a building, make sure that it also reflects my glory. Take pride in your building, but never worship your building. Balance those two things. That your building must be a place that signifies to the community this is a house of God and it's, its beauty ought to radiate our pride in the building. And at the same time, we want to balance it with the thing that reminding us that this building puts us in ministry, in the neighborhood, in a unique and certain way. All of those details remind us that it should reflect our pride and communicate that the door is always open. You know, they say people will make a decision within three to five minutes of walking through the door for the first time whether or not they're going to come back next week. They make that decision before they hear us sing a song. They make that decision before they hear us uh, um, pray a prayer. They make that decision long before the preacher ever opens his mouth. And I don't know all that goes into that decision in those first three to five minutes, but some of it I think it's just how they feel when they walk in the building. And is there a sense when people walk in the building, oh, they were expecting me today. They were ready for me today. And they can make that decision long before they even step in the door. It's And he's going to get mad at me for putting him on the spot, but that's one of the reasons Dan Freed was out here all the last two days making sure that the edging around our grounds was taken care of because he said, you're having people who are coming for rummage early in the morning this week, and I want them to know that we care about this place. Dan's really mad at me right now, and he's probably not ever going to do it again if you do that again to me, Pastor. But, But he said, I want to make sure that this place looks good. Because there's something that I think that says to people, if this is how they take care of their building, then this is how they'll take care of me. And if this is how they take care of their building, then this is how they'll take care of my pain. If this is how they take care of their building, then... This is how they'll take care of my hopes. And this is how they'll take care of my dreams. And then it really, the ball starts rolling. If this is how they take care of the building. And this is how they'll take care of my friends. And this is a place I can bring my friends. And it's a place that we start to feel comfort in. How we take care of our grounds begins to communicate from the moment you walk through the door what kind of place you're going to be. It doesn't end there. We're going to talk about that in the next few weeks, about what happens after people see your building, because they can come into the building and say, wow, it's a great building, but it's a cold place. But it starts, I think, with that first impression of what happens when people walk through the door. So why all this talk about clutter? Because we're trying to get ready for company. Just like Bridget and I do when we are expecting in-laws, my in-laws from out of town, we get the place ready for visitors. And one of the things that the church can fall into a trap really easily is forgetting that, that we are ready for visitors each and every time our door opens. For that is why we exist. Not so much for... Um, you know, not numbers for numbers sake. We exist so that somebody new who walks through the door has an opportunity to experience the love made known in Jesus Christ that each and every one of you who already calls this place home has experienced. And so every day we're trying to remember that we are ready for visitors. So that means we get out the good towels and you put out the good sheets and you Go buy the good coffee and you do the things that communicate to people when they walk through the door. Oh, we were expecting you. We are glad that you are here. Come, make this place home. You can stay here as long as you like. And we talked about these little signs around the place that Jesus isn't just asking us to clear out the physical space, but the mental space within us as well. One of the great things that I've never experienced yet at Aldersgate, and I'm sure it'll never, ever happen, but I've seen it happen at other churches that I served, is I've never seen anybody walk in here and say, "Um, I'm sorry, you're sitting in my pew today. And if you've done that, don't tell me about it right now. All right? Don't tell me about it right now. But I've been at churches where I've seen that happen, where I'm like, oh, you're brand new. I'm, I, first thing I need to tell you is um, you're sitting in my spots, <laughs> right? That's when Jesus walks in and flips tables, like... <clears throat> What's up with this place? My place needs to be a prayer place for all people. I had a pastor friend of mine once who had a um, couple that moved into the um, little apartment complex across the street. And he saw them out in the neighborhood and he went over and called on them. And he said, you know, you're going to like our church. Come, be a part of it. I, I know that we can find a place that you can serve. Is there something uh, uh, that you would like to do? And he says, you know, I, I bet I could uh, be an usher. And so sure enough, the pastor brought him in, introduced him to the head usher and left him alone. And the guy came up to him after the service and said, Pastor, you lied to me. They told me, thanks, but we don't need you in the usher corps. We got it all figured out already. Never came back to church again. Remember, it doesn't matter if you're an usher or a greeter or a Sunday school teacher or working in the kitchen or singing in the choir. If anybody ever who walks through the door and is new and says, is there something I can do to help you in this spot? Even if you've been doing it for 25 years, your job then is to say, hey, come on. Let me help you find a spot here in the life of the church. Jesus says, clear all of that mental and spiritual clutter out of the way. And once you've begun to do that, we begin to take a look at the physical clutter as well. Over the next year, through our building um, program here at the church, we're going to start offering up programs, uh, opportunities to come help us get the clutter up and out of the way to make some decisions about all of the stuff we have. And it begins uh, outside during this next month. Why outside? Because the weeds are going to start to win, right? The weeds are going to start to win. Corinna has some shine-up sheets out in the narthex today, and this week we start with some weeding and some mulching and beginning to plant. If you have an interest in helping this place look beautiful so when people walk through the door, they can say, hey, this place was ready for me. Find Corinna either today or after the service or during the week and find a spot where you could give a couple of hours in the next month in order to help make the outside of this building communicate from the get-go. We knew You were coming. And then each month, I hope to be able to put up one or two projects, some in the afternoons, some in the evenings, a couple on the weekends, where each person in the life of this church can say, hey, I can come paint a wall. I can come help clean out a closet. I can come help figure out a way to help make sure that this place always knows that it's ready for visitors. Redford Aldersgate. It's time. It's time to get our house in order. Because company, company's coming. So let's get out the good sheets and the good towels and go buy some good coffee and make sure we make home in this place that you already know is home for you. Let's sing our last song together.